today on CityCast Chicago. We're talking about the week in Chicago news with the tribe's Tiffany Walden. Like whether the city council will vote today to rename Lakeshore Drive after John Baptiste DuSable. For me, it kind of came out of nowhere that they're doing this. No one has asked for this at all, at least to my knowledge. We've also got some strong opinions about Lions and Lincoln Park. It's Friday, June 25th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Before we get started, though, I do want to check in, you know, how are you feeling today? Um, I'm feeling good. It's just, you know, a lot of work happening between dropping off tribe guys and yeah, so other than that, it's fine. But how about you? Uh, I'm doing okay. I actually spent um, a little bit of time this morning going to find the tribe guide, so I had to stop by a couple of places. Oh, you got but, one? I, no, I got seven. What do you mean? <laughs> I got to get my mama one. I got to get some own one. I got to get my yes. homies one. I got to make sure I, I have two the, just in case one gets messed up. I just went to the car and got one <laughs> so I could like... <laughs> have it for reference. Tiffany Walden is the co-founder and editor-in-chief of The Tribe, which, if you don't know, is a Black-owned digital news source focused on Black, Brown, and Indigenous Chicago. And that guide she's talking about is the 2021 Tribe Guide, which we'll give you the lowdown on at the end. Because first, Tiffany's going to help me talk about what's going on in the city this week. We got a few topic areas we're going to cover. Helping to keep us on track is CityCast producer Simone Alisea. Simone, what's the first topic? All right. So the first topic we're going to start with is if you could each give me uh, some news you can use. Uh, Tiffany, why don't you start us off? But for the news you can use segment of the show, the part that I'm bringing to the table is this conversation about changing Lakeshore Drive to Dusable Drive. For me, it kind of came out of nowhere that they're doing this. <laughs> no one has asked for this at all, at least to my knowledge. And everyone is pretty fond of Lakeshore Drive. You know, we ride down Lakeshore Drive at night. We play our songs. We got playlists for Lakeshore Drive when we ride in the car. Um, you know, Kanye has rapped about Lakeshore Drive and his songs. Everyone has. So it's just like, you know, who asked for this thing to be renamed to Dusable Drive? And I get it. You know, we should honor and uh, recognize Dusable in more ways than just having that small bus downtown but um i think people should really like pay attention to what's going on with the gustavo drive but that's something that um our reporter matt harvey is working on and we're editing that story right now to put out today yeah i saw a tweet from matt a couple weeks ago sharing a very similar idea that you just did which is like where did this come from um i remember on i was on wbez's reset a little bit ago and i was telling sasha the same thing i was like Lakeshore Drive is probably one of the least problematic boulevards or roads, whatever we want, highways in Chicago. Right. And like you said, you all just put out a magazine that goes to memorialize John Baptiste DuSable, the first non-indigenous indigenous settler in the area that is now Chicago. So we all understand how important DuSable is. Right. We celebrate with the museum. The bus is definitely too small. We should do more. But we got other roads that, you know, Kenzie's and a bunch of Columbus's that we need to to be focused on. Kenzie should definitely be changed. There's no reason why anything in the city should be named after Kenzie. 
And if you read the tribe guide, um, you'll, you'll find out why. But Kenzie is the white man who they initially credited as the founder of Chicago. Um, but he did some shady shit. And like, that's how he got that name. So why is anything named after Kenzie? If we're going to change something, change that. Or Columbus Drive, which is what they asked for last year during the uprisings, was to take the Columbus statues down and um, to change the name of Columbus Drive. Like, that's what people have been talking about. I wish that um, our aldermen, like, really listen to the community and, like, um, converse with the community before they got up and made these grand symbolic gestures that don't really have any, like, substance to them. 100%. It's, it's another example of, like, we didn't ask for that. We, we asked them for money for our communities, bring back clinics and resource mm-hmm. centers, invest more. And the next thing we know, it's like, oh, now we'll have a holiday or, hey, now we'll change the least problematic name that we have. Like, who who arguing about LSD? Nobody. <laughs> uh, Simone, what is our next category? Our next category is, uh, can you each tell me something you learned about Chicago this week? And this time, Jacoby, we'll start with you. Yeah, what I learned about Chicago, and I don't mean it in the sense of I was ignorant to it, but the numbers just came out and Chicago ain't got enough money for the people who need rent relief. Right. Mm. The city set aside $80 million in the recent round for rent relief, but 27,000 people signed up. And they need about $137 million in aid, meaning the city is falling $57 million short of providing relief for renters across the city. I think lost in this conversation about back to normal is there are a lot of people who are on the edge, who are who have been over the edge for a very long time. I read an article that said thousands of homeowners are set to be evicted once the moratorium ends in August, Right. 27,000 people across the city need rent relief. And so as the city keeps looking at investment and city council is constantly looking at putting up new developments in neighborhoods across the city, we really need to be scrutinizing this next $1.8 billion in ARP funds or the American Rescue Plan because renters, homeowners clearly need more money in the city because come August, a lot of people are going to be left high and dry if things go or continue down the road that they are right now. And there were some barriers to that, I believe, at least I saw um, in the larger Cook County area where it was like, if you were applying for rent relief, your landlord also has to apply or your landlord also has to submit documents. And um, to me, that's a barrier because what if what if your landlord is not a responsive landlord? What if your landlord is not someone who um, even knows how to submit documents like that themselves? Is there anything in particular that you learned about the city or something you learned more about in Chicago this week? Mine isn't as serious. It's, uh, Charles Preston posted that um, video of the uh, the music video for the song Getting More Money Than You. Uh-huh. And I didn't know that there was a video for that. So I was I love stuff like that. And I was really into that whole thread. <laughs> um, and my mom is a stepper and um my family is intercepting. So when I found that, I was like, oh, that's dope. So, And for people who don't know, Charles Preston is with uh, Injustice Watch, 
but I knew the name because if you step in Chicago, if you skate in Chicago, you have heard this song at some point. Even if you haven't heard the original song, it's been remixed, stripped down, and thrown into another song. And just the vibe and the swag of the song, it just it stays with you even after you heard. It's just like, cause I'm getting more money than you. Oh man, I gotta play it for a second. This is my song. See, I, I know, know I'm in man and me. Cause I'm getting more money than you. Get more money than you. Everybody and I know, know why they hate on me. Cause I'm getting more money than you. Yeah. This shit is fire. <laughs> you just feel good. You just feel good when you hear that song. <laughs> I, I grew up, I talk about it a lot, but I grew up in the skating rink. And so I worked at Reach City Skate when I was in high school and my uncle did stepping on the side. And so while you were skating, okay. the steppers was there as well. And so that song came on so much. I like you did not realize that there was a video to it because you also, you know, it's in, like you just said, in Chicago house and juke music, you often j just hearing like the hook remixed into another song yeah. and Shazam can't yeah. break down how many different <laughs> songs is being put into this one. Yeah, I had to tell my mom, I was like, you know, there's a video for this song. Like, <laughs> she, she, and she it was, looks super Chicago. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought some lightness to it. Me over here just like, yeah, Chicago ain't got enough money for renters. <laughs> and so I appreciate you also expressing joy. Hey, we, we, we freedom fighting and we stepping at the same time. So <laughs> you got to do both. A, a category that I absolutely love is one of our next one. I'm going to have Simone break it down for us real quick. All right, so I want each of you to tell me about a news story that got a lot of hype, but that you just couldn't care less about. It wasn't your thing. The story that got hyped this week that honestly I didn't really care that much about is the new $41 million lion house at Lincoln Park Zoo. You know- When I hear numbers like $41 million- That blew me too. Yeah, it kind of, I'm like, that's how- one, I'm like, that's how much it costs to build a new uh, lion habitat. I mean, I'd imagine for a good one, it's going to cost some pretty pennies. But, you know, for a city that never has money or doesn't know what to do with money, I just find it interesting when institutions or a lot of money is being spent around the city. But also, I, personally, I'm not a big zoo person. I just, even when I was a kid, I just was like, these places seem very creepy. It um, like the lions, you can give them forty million dollar new house. They probably still gonna be unhappy. They, are. they probably still would rather be where they supposed to be. I'm all team free the animals. Um, and my reason being, I worked at Brookfield Zoo in high school. That was my first job, and working at the zoo was so depressing. <laughs> On the one hand, you working just you know because we kids and we trying to make money by you know the drive or whatever, but watching there was like a polar bear at, at Lincoln me at Brookfield Zoo I, now I'm not sure if it's still there but it it had lost its um mate and so it was so depressed that it just walked it just paced back and forth all day long all day long so if you were working at one of the um attractions near the polar bear that's what you watched all day long was this polar bear walking back and forth same thing with the lion at Brookfield Zoo it was so frail that like you wouldn't like you it doesn't even look like a lion at that point so for me that was my like experience where it was just like we need to get rid of zoos like this doesn't make any sense these people they, they come people come to the zoo they expect these animals to tap dance for them 
to be like excited and happy and be doing tricks and stuff for them. And it's just like, that's not what these animals were put on this earth for. That's not what they're supposed to be doing. Like put them back. I understand that they're making improvements. Like I I read the articles, right? They want to give the lions better medical care and give them more room and give them things that allude to nature. And then if they were in a sort of pride out there uh, in their natural habitat. But it's not the same. Yeah, it don't change the fact that if them lions had to choose, mm-hmm. they they probably don't want to be there. So I understand why it's hype. I know people like zoos. I know people are going to probably think, oh, Jacoby don't like joyous things. But again, no, as Tiffany just pointed out, it's some reasons not yeah. to like zoos. And that's from a person who worked there. So don't just take my biased opinion, right? Take it from somebody who worked there. I get that the lion house is iconic, too, because, I mean, it was in Cooley High. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's, it's been in movies. My mom always talks about going to see. It's been there since 1912. Good yeah, so, yeah, it's like that's amazing, y'all. But <laughs> <laughs> get rid of the zoos. Like we don't need this. <laughs> we do not need this. <laughs> uh, Simone, can you come back and give us the last topic? Yeah, Jacoby, we're gonna make you say something happy. Like that's <laughs> that's, that's gonna happen. Uh, the next topic, uh, we'd love each of you to give us uh, a moment of joy, and that could be a moment of joy. Uh, a news item, or it could be something that happened to you personally this week. Uh, Jacoby, why don't you start us off? Yes, I am going to say something good. But I had two moments, and I didn't really, it was the first one until I saw the second. So my first moment of joy most of the week was I got to talk to Stephen Colbert early mm. this week. And Buddy was a cool dude. He, you know, he gave some good answers. He had great energy. He was funny. But then a better moment happened. And it was when I found out that they might be fixing the nightmare intersection at 79th Street and Stony Island in South <laughs> Chicago. The most traumatic car accident I ever got in my life oh, no. happened at that intersection. I was coming down 79th Street and like we got caught out there in the middle and the two cars in front of me were just like a little uh, kind of late on the gas. So by the time they went, I was out there trying to make the turn during the red light. And a car was coming and the person was texting and driving. They was coming down South Chicago. If you know this intersection, I was facing Maxwell's. Mm-hmm. When they hit me, my car spent around so many times. And nice. by the time it was over, I was in the drive through of White Castle. Wow. Yep. And my car was torn up. And so there have been over 120 accidents already this year at that intersection. And most people will tell you it's one of the dangerous, one of the scariest places. So I felt supreme joy when I found out that they might actually be making that a safer intersection here in the city. So yeah, Stephen mm-hmm. Colbert was cool, but like, uh, I just want people to not get into car accidents uh, by the Maxwells. Yeah, you know, I'm not from out south, I'm from out west, so I got some friends, I got some friends that live over on like 83rd near Dante and stuff, and that was that was when I started driving over that way, and that that intersection is chaotic. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't understand it at all. <laughs> What's a moment of joy for you this week, Tiff? Saturday was Juneteenth, and like we had a lot of moments of joy um, in that. One for myself, I got to see the Obama portraits at the Art um, Institute, which was really dope um, to see them in person and to see you know how big they are, and just to like kind of revel in the moment that they, that they represent. And then kind of the last thing from that day, too, was we went to the Dusabu um, block party that Chance and Save Money and all them hosted. 
that was another like moment of joy because we've all been in the pandemic for so long and quarantined for so long that we haven't really been around people. See people without, you know, masks on, you know, enjoying themselves, like having fun partying that was double dutching. And it was just like, wow, we not only survived like a very traumatic like year and a half, um, but we're coming out of it and like celebrating and, and finding a moment of joy in that. So Saturday was like a really great moment and like a, a, a mark of like what black communities could be if we had resources and funds and, and power. And that's something that we're all like continuing to fight for. So up top, I mentioned the 2021 Tribe Guide Heritage Edition. It is a gorgeous, I mean, absolutely beautiful magazine that you can find for free throughout Chicago. I got my copies at the Bronzeville Incubator, and it focuses on the city's Black and Indigenous history. I couldn't let Tiffany go without talking to her about one of the stories in the magazine where she traveled to Mississippi to trace her grandmother's roots and the roots of Black Chicago on the West Side. Not only was it a beautiful piece of prose, but uh, my grandfather is from McGee, Mississippi, about three hours south of um, decent yeah. uh, where you all were. That's dope. Um, and, and like your grandmother, my grandfather didn't talk a lot about coming up in Mississippi. Uh, his mom owned a farm down there off of CB Road. We called it Mama CB. That's and, even more dope. <laughs> yeah. And, and so a lot of those stories I actually ended up getting from my mom. Um, who, when she was a child, sort of like your uncle, could remember those moments of going down there and kind of interacting. But a lot of listening, right? Like you said, wasn't a lot of uh, talking and opinion sharing. Um, so my Mississippi roots, I, I often get those stories through my mom, so I could very much connect to that. I love that you engaged with it um, and, and so well and that you saw yourself in a lot of these stories, and especially with the Out West story that's that's a series that I've been working on um, that I'm hoping to turn into a book at some point. Um, because again, like, you know, growing up on the West side of Chicago, we don't really talk about black history on the West side. You only hear about the South side um, and, and folks, um, you know, really setting up roots South South and in Bronzeville and, you know, places like that. So for me, it's, it's very important to like see um, this link between black people coming up here to the west side of Chicago and black people coming from Mississippi to Chicago, period. Because even the fact that your grandfather was three uh, hours away from where my grandma was, you know, I'm like, something was happening in this region, in this county, um, that people was like, we all gonna get up and go to the same place. Tiffany, it's been an honor and a pleasure to talk with you today. Thanks y'all, I appreciate it. And anytime y'all need us, come on, just let us know. We keep the shout outs to the Tribe Guide going in our newsletter. So remember to sign up at chicago.citycast.fm. Speaking of the newsletter, our newsletter writer and editor is Sydney Madden. Thank you to the team that works on the podcast every single day. Producer Simone Alisea, Natalie Rivera out in LA, and of course our lead producer Carrie Shepard, who is getting some much needed vacation time out west. Thanks also to the people who make our music. Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop and Sam Trump, who actually just got married this past weekend. Congratulations, Sam. That's our show for Friday, June 25th. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you on Monday. Peace. So, yeah, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but uh, 
I got to talk to Stephen Colbert, yes, host of The Late Show, Stephen Colbert. I'm going to bring that interview to City Cash Chicago next week, and trust me, you don't want to miss it.